TED Audio Collective. Hi, you're listening to TED Talks Daily. I'm Elise Hugh. Radiation scientist David Brenner believes he can stave off pandemics by harnessing the power and potential of ultraviolet light. As we continue to battle the novel coronavirus, today's show features David Brenner talking with TED Science curator David Biello at TED 2020. Is ultraviolet light safe, and can it really be used to kill viruses and bacteria? Brenner will shed some light. (laughs) Pun intended. Canva presents unexplained appearances. It was an ordinary workday until... That presentation appeared out of thin air. Also, it's eerily on brand. Wait, did that agenda just write itself? Words appear, making this unexplainable case... Unexplainable? It's Canva's AI tools. I can generate slides and words in seconds. Really? The real mystery is why I'm only learning this now. Canva.com. Designed for work. This episode is brought to you by U.S. Bank. If you're like me, you've always got some projects started that you haven't finished just yet. Guilty. With any project, it always helps to have the right tools. That counts for managing money, too. The cool thing is the U.S. Bank Visa Platinum Card is the perfect tool if you have big-ticket purchases coming up or even if you just need to take care of some debts. With a low intro APR for 18 billing cycles, make sure you have the right tool to help you manage your money. Check out what you can get accomplished today and apply at usbank.com slash platinum. Limited time offer, the creditor and issuer of this card is U.S. Bank National Association pursuant to a license from Visa USA Inc. Some restrictions may apply. TED Talks Daily is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates, national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Please join me in welcoming David Brenner to share his idea for how we might stop the spread of SARS-CoV-2. Take it away, David. Hey, uh, good afternoon, David, and it's good to be back. It's three years since my my first talk. So uh, let's talk for a few minutes about uh, ultraviolet light. So ultraviolet light or or UV light is a type of light that's actually pretty similar to uh, to visible light, but it actually has different wavelengths, and and that makes it invisible to our uh, human eyes. And it's been known for, for more than 100 years, in fact, that some wavelengths of UV light are incredibly efficient at killing viruses and bacteria also. So actually, germicidal UV light is pretty commonly used these days to disinfect locations like hospital operating rooms. But the problem we've always had is that if people are di- directly exposed to this conventional germicidal UV light, there are potential health hazards to our eyes and to our skin. And that really greatly limits how and when we can use it. So what what we'd really love is a type of UV light which both kills viruses uh, but is also safe. And about seven or eight years ago, we we realized actually there was such a type of UV light. And that's far UVC light, which has an even shorter wavelength, uh, around 220 nanometers. So what we know is that far UVC light efficiently kills viruses and, and bacteria too. But all the available evidence, and here's the thing, is that it's safe for human exposure. So that's true. If if far UVC light really is safe 
and it really does kill uh, coronaviruses. Then we have a window of opportunity. Overhead indoor far UVC lights could be used to kill viruses in, in indoor spaces where people are, are present and so reduce the risk of transmission of, of COVID-19. And as we start to reopen after the COVID-19 crisis slowly winds down, we hope, there are going to be so many situations where people are moving closer together in indoor spaces. Uh, hospitals, of course, and nursing homes, buses, planes, trains, train stations, schools, restaurants, offices, shops, theatres, gyms. The list can go on forever, in fact. So the two questions we, we, we need to think about are, first of all, is 5UVC light safe? And does it really kill coronaviruses? So wh why is it safe? Well, it's safe because 5UVC light really can't penetrate into any living cells in, in our body. It can't penetrate into our skin, can't penetrate uh, into our eyes. And that's, that's purely physics. And that's, I'm, I'm a physicist by training. So it's nice to see something uh, that's, that's really physics-based. That's the conceptual reason. But over the past five or six years, we and many other groups around the world have done a lot of studies to see, is it really safe? Uh, studies on human skin, on mouse skin, on mouse eyes, in many different situations and many different countries. And all seems to point to, uh, to yes, it, it really is safe. But the, more than that, actually, there's, uh, there's, there's a, a regulatory uh, framework in existence right now. I mean, there are limits as to how much UV light at any given wavelength uh, we can be exposed to. So the key, of course, is to stay within those regulatory limits. And then the other part of the story is, well, does it really kill coronaviruses? And the answer is, for sure, it does. As you know, there are many human coronaviruses, and we're steadily working our way through, through them and checking, does it kill this coronavirus? Does it kill this coronavirus? Moving up to the, the, uh, the SARS-CoV-2 virus. And what we can say today is that, yes, it's very efficient at killing coronaviruses. So if 5UVC light is, is really safe and it really can kill coronaviruses in occupied indoor spaces, and I, I think it really does have the potential to be a, a powerful tool in, in our battle against COVID-19. And I might add, not just that, against influenza and against the next pandemic virus, if, if and when it comes. And in this sense, it's a little bit different from a vaccine, which is very specific to one particular strain of virus. So... It sounds pretty positive, but that, that's not to say we should stop using the weapons. Uh, we certainly shouldn't stop uh, using masks. We so certainly shouldn't uh, stop practicing social distancing. Fantastic. Thank you so much for that. It does sound like it could be a real, a real game changer, if I can use that cliche. It has that potential, yeah. So walk us through exactly how this far UVC light can kill a virus but not harm, you know, human skin cells or, or eye cells or whatever else? Well, the reason is basically, it's a, it's a physics reason, as, as I was saying, that far UVC light really can't travel very far in any sort of biological material. So right on the surface of our skin, for example, is, is a layer of uh, dead cells. And the, uh, this far UVC light simply can't penetrate through those dead cells and, uh, and so reach the living cells in, in, in the skin, in the, in the epidermis and the dermis. And the same goes for the eye. On, on the very surface of our eye, there's some liquid called the tear layer. 
and 5EC light can't penetrate that either. So it can't reach the uh, the living cells in the eye in, in the cornea or deeper down in, in the lens, for example. So there's, there's a real good physics reason why the 5EC light can't penetrate into living cells in our bodies. That said, bacteria and viruses are very much smaller entities. And so the 5UVC light really does have enough range to penetrate them and, and kill them. So that's why it can kill uh, viruses, but in principle is safe for, for human exposure. So it's a kind of defense in depth because we have multiple cells kind of layered down. Uh, we're more defended against this particular wavelength than a virus or a bacteria would be. That's right. And and right on our surface of our skin and our eyes are, are non-living uh, cells. So it doesn't matter if the far UVC is, is absorbed there, uh, as long as it doesn't reach the, the living cells in our skin or in our eyes. Now, the next question, which I think is true for all ultraviolet light, is that it, in our atmosphere anyway, it creates ozone. And that's a little bit of a of a human health hazard. Have you looked into that side of things at all? If there is kind of ozone creation when you have these lights on? Yeah, for sure. And in fact, this this far UVC light is not really at the wavelength that produces very much ozone. So we always measure and monitor the amount of ozone that's being produced. And it's absolutely minuscule. It's, it's way, way below the EPA levels for ozone safety. So I don't think that's going to be uh, an issue. So fantastic. Safe for our skin, safe for our eyes, safe for our lungs. That's a pretty good trio. Let's see what the audience is curious about. We'll take that first question, please. How may far UVC light be used in settings limited by an easily accessible, stable source of electricity? So this is the power question. Yeah, it's a good question. It doesn't have any special particular needs in terms of electricity. So as long as you, uh, in your indoor setting, you have enough electricity to power regular lights, you'll be able to use far UVC lights. And sometimes since some of the manufacturers are building in the, the far UVC light and the visible light into, into one fixture. So wait a minute, actually uh, visible light, light bulbs that also incorporate the far UVC wavelength to, to have a sterilizing effect? Yeah, not in one bulb, but the, the idea of, from some manufacturers is to have a fitting, a fixture, I should say, which has both a visible light in it and a far UVC light. Maybe one surrounds the other one, so, but it's, it's a single fixture. And other manufacturers are thinking of, well, we'll have two separate fixtures, one, one for the visible lights that we already have and one for the far UVC lights. But always we're, we're thinking about putting these far UVC lights in the same location as where we'd have the uh, visible light. Is there any limitation on, on distance or, you know, however far the light can spread, the, the sterilization effect will, will occur? Well, it, it just in, in the same way as when you uh, have a room, you have to figure out well, what sort of visible lighting am I going to have in this room? If it's a big room, you're going to have to have several lights. If it's a small room, you may only have one light. And that's the same thing for far UVC light. If, if we're talking about a big room, um, like in, in an airport, for example, or just a very large room, you're going to have to have a few far UVC lights overhead in the ceiling. Got it. Let's have that next audience question. Can UVC, far UVC, kill viruses fast enough to neutralize the virus particles born on aerosols in the air? 
Yeah, that's a pretty central question. We look upon it this way. So if you and I, David, are in a room together and maybe with other people and we're coughing and sneezing, some of us. So over over time in that room, the, the level of aerosols and viruses uh, in the air is, is going to start to build up. So what we really need is something that will continuously keep that level of uh, virus down. So we'd like uh, 99.99% killing in, in, in a few minutes and, and that we can achieve. But the, the bottom line is to keep the level of virus in the air as, as low as possible. So that implies that uh, these lights would kind of be always on so that they're always having that sterilization effect. Well, they could be uh, always on or they could be on a significant fraction of the time. Uh, I, mean, I don't think it would be very useful to have the lamps on at eight o'clock in the morning for five minutes and then turn it off for the rest of the day. Because the whole point is to keep killing the viruses as they're being produced. We don't necessarily have to have it on every moment of the day, but we don't want to have it on just once a day. Does the sun, it must put out wavelengths, uh, or it must put out light at this wavelength. Is there a possibility that the sun is providing some of the sterilization in an outdoor setting? Yeah, well, no, actually it doesn't. Um, so oh. the, uh, there are three types of uh, UV light. There's UVA and UVB and UVC. And they're just different because they're different wavelengths. UVC is the one that kills viruses and bacteria most efficiently. The sun produces uh, UVA and UVB and UVC. So they wing their way towards the earth. But when they get to the atmosphere, the UVC is entirely absorbed in the upper atmosphere, actually in the ozone layer in the atmosphere. So down here on the ground, we don't feel any UVC at all. We only feel UVA which is where we get sun, suntans from and, and UVB. And those are not very efficient at killing viruses and bacteria. Gotcha. So we only get the, the sun burning in my case, uh, UV. We, we just get, get the, the sun We burn. don't get the good and, sun. And there's, there's, yeah, there's, there's no doubt that uh, UVA and UVB kill a little bit of bacteria and viruses, but not much. And anyway, we believe the whole story really is indoors. I mean, that's where most of the transmission from, uh, from, per- from one person to another occurs. Uh, there may be some outdoors, but it's, it's pretty limited compared to uh, indoors. That's right. I mean, I think my top concern as a New Yorker is the subway, which is very uh, indoors. They are using UV light, but it's this UVA or UVB light, right? And they can only use it when humans aren't present. So in the, uh, in the New York uh, MTA system, they are using conventional germicidal UV light, which is UVC. But as, as I said in, in my introductory words, that has the potential for, uh, for, for health issues if it, it's directly exposed on people. So what the MTA are doing is, at, at the moment, the MTA is closed down between, uh, I think it's uh, 1 a.m. and 5 a.m., something in, in the wee hours. So they're moving the conventional germicidal UV lights into the, uh, into the buses and into the trains and essentially sterilizing the trains and buses overnight, uh, which is a good thing. But come 5 a.m. in the morning, you have a nice clean subway car. But come 5.30 in the morning, when people start walking into that, that subway car, it's over the course of the day, it's going to become more and more contaminated. So what we really want is something that can be used more or less continuously during the day when people are around. So take us, take us back in your own personal journey with FAR UVC light. When did you first 
realize that, you know, this had this potential to, to combat all these, these troubling pathogens. Well, we, we were originally thinking not about viruses, but about bacteria, which are as both, both nasty pathogens. And uh, my original motivation was that I had a, a friend who passed away from a drug-resistant uh, bacterial disease. And I was thinking long ago, is, is there anything physics can try and stop this uh, problem? So we, we thought very much in terms of reducing surgical site infections in, in hospitals by killing drug-resistant uh, bacteria. But again, with the same idea that uh, it's going to be safe for human exposure. So the first few years, we worked entirely on bacteria. And then two or three years after that, the, the, the penny dropped that actually we could use this for viruses too. Viruses are also very, very small, like bacteria. And there was no COVID-19 at that point. So we were particularly uh, thinking about influenza. And we should never forget that influenza is a, is a very, very nasty uh, virus, which kills a lot of people every year and no doubt will continue to do so. So we've been slowly working the last three or four years in, in the influenza world. So then come the beginning of this year and COVID-19 appears, then it came immediately apparent to us that the ideas that we'd have for influenza were going to be applicable to, to COVID-19 because, again, it's uh, transmitted from person to person, primarily in the inf influenza case by uh, airborne routes. So all the concepts that were uh, that we developed for influenza seem to be applicable to the COVID-19 crisis. Great news, and I think we should get these into hospitals stat. That seems like the first great application and has many uh, co-benefits. But I know we're running out of time, so let's try to get in one more audience question before we have to wrap up. So, from Stephen Petronic, we live in a symbiotic relationship with bacteria, many of which are essential to life. Would this create such a sterile environment that it would ultimately be harmful to us? Yeah, well, that's a really good question because it's undoubtedly that there are bad bacteria, which I was just talking about, like MRSA, but there are good bugs too, and they are essential for us. So most of the, uh, the, the microbiome that, that help us are inside our bodies or inside our gut, for example. And that's not going to be an issue because the far UVC light simply can't reach into, into the gut. It can't penetrate into the body, as, as we've talked about. There is a, a skin microbiome actually on the, on the very surface of our skin. And that's something that we think about a lot. But if you think about it, how many times have you washed today? Uh, many. So uh, that is going to be more damaging to the skin microbiome than uh, 5UVC light will be. So what we know of the skin microbiome, by definition, it's, it's, it's really tough. Uh, it can resist a lot and... Uh, even when it's removed, it comes back pretty quickly. So we don't think that the skin microbiome uh, is going to be a significant issue. And that's why we keep washing our hands, even it once these far UVC lights become available. So I think we have time for one final audience question. Let's see if we can sneak it in. From Terry Moore, what problems need to be solved to make this technology happen now? How can the TED community help? Well, that's a very good question from a TED friend. And 
I think the the, uh, the biggest problem that needs to be solved now, and, we, and we've alluded to it in, in our conversation, is building up the capacity for these lamps. Industry really only started building these lamps in the spring. So the capacity really isn't there for the millions of lamps that, that there is a demand for right now. So there are a few aspects to that. One is, well, it would be really nice if there was a simpler, cheaper technology for producing these lamps. Uh, the lamps are not particularly expensive and they're not particularly complicated. But if it could be made much cheaper and much simpler to, to manufacture, and uh, I'm, I'm thinking perhaps particularly about the same way as LEDs uh, slowly are replacing conventional light bulbs, LEDs potential, have the potential for replacing the current type of far UVC light would be um, uh, easier to, to make, probably cheaper, uh, probably longer lived. So the science community, I think, could certainly be putting a little more attention to different technologies to make the uh, far UVC production capacity happen faster and happen cheaper. Fantastic. Well, thank you, David, for joining us and, and sharing this uh, ray of hope in these pandemic times. Thank you so much. David, it's been a real pleasure. Thank you.